How many of us are ready for God's word? You might be thinking, Pastor, why do you ask a question? Why do you ask questions? Because this is something I want you leaning forward in. You know, the Bible Bible talks about, or I shouldn't say talks about, but in, in the ancient times, rabbis used to ask questions for a reason. They asked questions because it required uh, those they were asking questions of to lean in and to engage. And I think so many times in church, we just lean back, and especially after Thanksgiving. Come on. Some of us ate way too much turkey and watched way too much football, and you're like, Pastor, at least I'm here. Yes, thank you for being here. But I do want you to lean in because this message is super Super important. And we've been talking about an attitude of gratitude. An attitude of gratitude. And how important it is to have this attitude of gratitude. We've said that that gratitude is one of the most helpful, beneficial human emotions. That when you are grateful, it helps you physically, emotionally, and spiritually. You get the trifecta going. Your entire being is blessed. We also said that God wants us to walk in gratitude so that we might experience, according to Paul's words, the ultimate blessing, and that's contentment. Contentment. Paul said, I've learned how to be content. We said, Pastor, that's something you can learn? Yes, it's it's something that we can practice. He used those words. Last week, we talked about it. I've practiced it. I've learned it. I've dedicated my mind. What? to focusing on gratitude and contentment. And he tells Timothy, he says, contentment is a mega blessing, a mega blessing. You say, Pastor, then how do I get that? The key is in the last verse we used last week. Now, I'm not going to re-preach the message. If you say, Pastor, I missed it. How can I hear that message? Sounds like it was wonderful. And it was. It was. Not because I preached it, but because God served it up. Amen. Amen. He, he whipped it up in the kitchen. Now listen, you say, how can I listen to the message? You go onto the app. You can listen to any message there. And you can also f- uh, download the notes and send it to your friends. Send it to whoever you think would be blessed by it. Now, we finished with this verse. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Isn't this beautiful? God is saying, I want you to learn to trust me. And so to be grateful and to be content requires trust in the Lord. Why? Because it's going to be very, very, very hard to be content when we're not trusting God. Now, now listen to me real close. Trust equals relationship. When you trust someone, you have a relationship with that someone. Can I tell you, trust is not something that just happens. It has to be built and cultivated. And so God says, I want you to learn to trust me. I want you to know that I'm trustworthy and that you can put your faith and confidence in me. And if you have confidence in me, then you know that I'm working things out. I work all things. Come on now. Not some things, all things for the good of those who love me and are called according to my purpose. That's what he's saying. He's saying, it may not look too good from where you're standing, from where I'm sitting. I know that I'm setting you up for blessing. I'm setting you up 
for a leg up. Amen. And so we have to learn to trust God. Today's message is about trusting the Lord. That's the title of today's message, to trust the Lord. Isn't this what God says throughout his word? The proverb says, trust in the Lord with half of your heart. No, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your understanding. Do you realize that's, this is what we talked about last week. We said you were created with desires. When those desires head towards selfishness, it's called lust. But when you allow those desires to be cultivated in passion, then it moves you closer to God. And this is what it's all about. When you trust in yourself, you move away from God. When you trust in God, you draw near to him. And this is why the Bible says, don't trust in your own ability, trust in the Lord. Do you realize that Jesus said something very similar in his Sermon on the Mount when he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God? What is he saying? He's saying, don't seek your own, seek the kingdom. Move towards God, trust in him, and everything else will fall into place as well. Isn't that how he finishes that chapter 6 with that verse, verse 33? And And then I want us to also know he's saying, I need you to understand that trust is found when we learn to value God. It says, where your heart will be with what you value. Isn't that what he says? So you say, Pastor, then, then is this message about trust? Or it sounds like you're headed somewhere else. I'm headed towards three points. And the first point is something paramount. It it will set you free and be the key to developing that relationship with God. And it's called the, the, the principle of first fruits. The principle of first fruits. I need us to really connect with this. I feel like God has just been working this in my heart because he's been sharing with me. You know, you're telling them to be grateful. You're telling people to to trust me. You're telling people to be content, but they're never going to connect with those deep principles unless they connect with the vehicle. And that's the principle of first fruits. The principle of first fruits, quite simply, is found throughout the Bible. And it's, it's interesting that God uses financial and possession, possessions to communicate a lot to us. You may not know this, but 500 or so verses are found in God's word that relate to prayer. Another 500 that relate to faith. Over 2,000 are about financial and possessions. Wow. Did you know out of the 38 uh, parables that Jesus used, 16 relate to finances and possessions? Not, Not just that. He taught deeper issues. But he used that to communicate some things to us. Why? Because we live in a very material, 
and physical world. And the enemy wants to use that materialism and our finances to have us, what, trust in ourselves, to lean on our own understanding. And God says, I don't want you to lean on your own understanding. I want you to use that to lean on me and to watch my faithfulness unfold in your life. I'm going to give, you're going to have opportunity week after week, day after day to see my hand at work. And in fact, it's the only area that God gives us permission to test him in. Why? Because he's saying, I need you to put me to the test so that you can see I'm faithful. And when you get in your mind that I'm faithful, God says, then you'll trust me and you'll walk with me and you won't doubt me. And you can, oh my goodness, come on. Can someone get that deep in your heart? You're saying, but, but why do I need to trust him? did we not just go through a need to trust him moment in 2020? Supposedly there's more coming. We need to learn to trust him because God has you. God has you. And you say, okay, then what does this reveal? It reveals volumes about our priorities, our loyalties, and our affections. And God wants to be our priority. He wants us to be loyal to him and he wants our, our affection. See, the Bible says about first fruits, consecrate to me all the firstborn. Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. So I'm going to share something with you. A lot of times when I preach, I'll do three points and I'll do you know, a third of the message on point number one, and then point number two feeds off of that or builds on it, and then point number three, another third. I'm probably going to combine the three because they don't only build, they intertwine. And so as we go through the different stories, I want you to know that God has a principle at work. The principle is designed to bless you. That's point number two. And the blessing ultimately is to bring you into relationship. And that's point number three. So watch. God says, consecrate to me the firstborn. It is mine. If you go with me a couple of verses down in that same chapter, he says that you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. That is every firstborn that comes from the animal which you have. From an animal which you have. The male shall be the Lord's. He already said they're mine. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And all the firstborn of man among your sons, you shall redeem. I don't know if you caught this, but there's two things happening here. There's sacrifice and redemption. Sacrifice or redeem. Those are our only two options. That's what he's saying. He's saying, according to the Old Testament, the firstborn was to be either sacrificed or redeemed. You don't get option three. You're either sacrificed or redeemed. You go, but how do I determine the two? A lamb was a clean animal, according to God's word, prescription. And he said, if you have a lamb, then you sacrifice that. If you have an unclean animal, and he gives the example in that verse that I read of a donkey. An unclean animal needs to be what? Redeemed. It cannot be sacrificed because it's unclean. Let me put it to you this way. Jesus was spotless and sinless. He was sacrificed. I am the donkey. 
Okay? Anyone else a donkey in the room? Some of you just don't know it yet. (laughs) But this is the thing. We are unclean. Okay? We represent the unclean of the group. We need to be redeemed. That's what he said at the very end. And all the firstborn of man. Why? Because man is unclean. See, some pastors say, oh, I believe that 99% of the people are basically good people, yet God's word says in, the, in man's heart abideth no good thing. That we are desperately wicked. And that's why we need to be what? Redeemed. Who is the redeemer? The perfect lamb of God that was sacrificed in order to redeem that which was unclean, you and I. Hallelujah to the lamb of God. That's called the salvation message. The salvation message. Now watch. Watch. This is the exact reason that John the Baptist, in chapter 1 of John, verse 29, when he saw Jesus walking towards him, said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Isn't that true? Why? Because he is God's redemptive sacrifice for you and I. For you and I. So, that is the principle of first fruits redemption, and firstborn sacrifice. You present it to God, and it makes right what was wrong. When we give our tithe, we're taking that first 10%, we're putting it before God, and God uses that to what? Sanctify the 90. And some would say, but how does 90% go further than 100%? It goes further when God blesses it. And this is God's way. You bring it to me, I'll bless your 90 and show you that my way is better than the world's way. You rely on yourself and not on me, then that remains cursed. Ooh, that's exactly what it's saying. Because point number two, it really is about blessing. It really is about blessing. See, this started at the point of Exodus. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 7, now listen to me very, very closely. Know my heart. I know some folks are going to think, oh, you're just talking about tithing. That is what these preachers do. God doesn't need your money. Listen to me very closely. God doesn't need your money. You need God's blessing. You need relationship with the living, awesome king of glory that they called Jehovah Jireh, the great provider. And you need to know him intimately. Know him closely. Because God wants you to know that it's not the Federal Reserve that provides. Some of us think, oh, if the Fed does this and the Fed does that. God is greater than any any chairman of any Federal Reserve. It's not our president and his economic policy. It's his hand. It's his hand. And this is what God was showing his children in in the book of Exodus. Listen to what he says. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorpost and on the lentil of the house where they will eat it. This is called the Passover. 
in the book of Exodus, you see what? Plague after plague after plague that God sends through Moses upon Pharaoh. It hardens his heart harder, harder, and harder until the last plague is the angel of death. God sends the angel of death and he says this to to his people. He says, I'm gonna save you from death. Isn't this what Jesus does for us? He saves us from the law of sin and death, the New Testament says. He says, so you will take a perfect sinless lamb. You will sacrifice it according to the manner that I prescribe. Then you will take its blood, dip a hyssop branch. Hyssop, well, I I don't have time to, to explain all of that. I'm looking at my clock here. But the hyssop branch would be taken, dipped in the blood, and wiped on this side of the door, on this side of the door, and on the top lentil of the door. That's the support of the door. It doesn't have to be made of wood. It could be rock. But whatever is that supporting top portion, you put it on there. That would drip onto what? The floor. And now you have the sign of the cross. He's pointing to Christ. This is why John says, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And this is what God is saying. From this moment on, you will no longer be slaves in Egypt. I am bringing you out of slavery. Jesus says, I am bringing you out of the world. You no longer belong to the enemy. You no longer are destined to die. I'm bringing you out. You are now a son of the living God and you need to learn to live like a son. You need to learn to act like a daughter of the most high God. You need to learn to trust your father. You need to know that. Oh, come on. This is why we, Paul says, You can be content and whether you have a lot or a little bit, it doesn't matter because God's in charge and he's got you in his care. He says, I'll work all things, not some things, all things for the good of those who love me and are called according to my purpose. If you only trust me, if you only trust me, and this is what he's saying to the children of Israel. But first we need to understand we need redemption. That our finances need redemption. That we need to come out of slavery and that slave mentality where we think there's always scarcity. How many of you grew up with scarcity? I did. See, in a Hispanic home, you always get sent to grandma's house. That's like some of you are going, man, you make it sound like a concentration camp. Sometimes it is. You didn't see the huge fence and once you came in, you didn't go out and you had tons of cousins. And, and I can remember one day I was given at church a Snickers bar. I made the mistake of not downing that thing before I got home because they made me take it to grandma's house. And as soon as grandma saw the Snickers bar, she confiscated it and she cut it up into little pieces So that everyone would have a piece. Do you realize I didn't know there were peanuts and Snickers? (laughs) I got such a small little piece. And this is the thing. Some of us, we're still living under that mindset of scarcity. Therefore, we think we have to hold on to it. And God is saying, no, give it to me and watch what I can do. Because in my house... In my house, there's a great table and you can have all you want. I will provide for you. This is what God is trying to do with this principle. Show you that he's a God that wants to bless and bring you into relationship. But first we need to understand what Romans says, 3.23, for all have sinned. All have sinned. We're those donkeys that need to be redeemed. (laughs) And we've fallen short of the glory of God. 
Romans goes on to say, the Apostle Paul says this, and we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. So watch what he's saying. He's saying, you've been called. You've proclaimed your love. You've entered into relationship. You're no longer over there a slave. You're now a son. And if you're a son, you can trust him. Now watch verse 19. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son. You have been what? Recreated in the image of The son, that means you are now a son of God, that he might be the firstborn. The firstborn that was sacrificed to bring you into this beautiful relationship. That's what he's saying. You now have relationship as a son. Relationships, point number three. Watch what he says in Colossians. He says, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. See, through the son, we come into a love relationship. How? Made possible by the redemption of his blood. He was sacrificed and his blood was applied to the doorway of our heart, signifying we're his. We're his and death cannot touch us. Death cannot touch us. You say, but what does this have to do I thought it was about giving and material, not just like salvation. It's about everything. The principle of first fruits goes from salvation to the way you live day by day. Trusting him. The just shall live by what? Faith. I wish I had time to go into the three different ways that Martin Luther, uh, uh, you know, unfolded that great teaching. The just, emphasizing just, shall live by faith. He went just, live by faith. And he taught it all the way through because this is what it is. It's not just the day of salvation. It's also the present moment. It's not only the present moment, but it's glorification in the future. We'll live. It's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Watch this. The redemption of Jesus Christ. This is why the proverb says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase. Now watch. He says of your increase. That means as God gives you more, you keep honoring him. Why? Because he wants you to know what it's like to trust him, not just once upon a time, but every single time. Every single time. Because faith is not just a prayer once upon a time. Faith is a walk, a journey. That leads you heavenward. And someday, I don't know when that day will be, I will take my last breath and my first step into glory. And that's where I want to be found faithful. And this is what God is saying honor with your first fruits so that your barns will be filled. Now, watch principal blessing. And ultimately, that you would know that you are His relationship. That your barns would be filled and that your vats would overflow. There would just be an overflowing of blessing in our lives. See, God wants you to trust and know that he is trustworthy. This is why he says in the book of Malachi, I want you to test me. Test me. Now, why would he want to be tested? 
so that he can prove to you, I'm worth your trust. I'm worth your trust. It's called relationship. So let's keep going. One more thing. Exodus 23, verse 19. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. You say, Pastor, but I'm not much of a gardener. I'm I'm not raising anything. I'm not growing anything. Now, they were primarily an agricultural society. How do you make your money? When does God give you increase, right? Honor the Lord with your increase. You mean with my raise? Yes, with your raise, but also when he brings you a paycheck. When money comes in, that's the way you sustain yourself. He says this, the first fruits of your first, the first of your first fruits you shall bring to the house of God. Now, this is very, very interesting because he says, bring it to the house of God, which means you don't send it off. You don't go and decide I'm going to do my own thing. You bring it to God's house. You might say, but pastor, why? When the book of Malachi tells you why, that there may be food in my house, that my house would have the resources to accomplish the vision and the mission I put upon their heart. And be a part of that mission. Be a part of that vision. Let's do this together so we can reach Bastrop County. That's what we're called to do. You say, but pastor, what does it mean, the first of the first fruits? I'll share that with you in just a little bit. Just just have that with you. I want to take you to the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua, chapter 6, verses 18 through 19, explains something very, very uh, meaningful here. And you, by all means, should abstain from the accursed things. Least you become accursed when you take of the accursed things. And make, listen to this, the camp of Israel a curse and bring trouble on it. But all the silver and the gold, the vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. That means you're going to bring him into my house. So this is what's happening. You have a generation of people that were unfaithful to the Lord. They never learned how to trust God, and so they died in the wilderness. If you ever want to read more about that, go to Hebrews. Hebrews talks about their unwillingness to trust God in faith. And so God raises up a new generation. Forty years pass, and this new generation is now ready to take possession of the promised land that God promised to them he would give them. Now watch this. He says, when you go in, the very first city that I'm going to give you is Jericho. But that first city belongs to me. That's what he said. You will take none of its spoils. Most of it, I want you destroying it. The other parts, I want you to bring it to me. Everyone did that except for one person. What happened to him? He went and dug a hole, put it in his tent, underneath his tent, in that hole. And the very next city they went to conquer was a city called Ai. Very small. They thought they'd have no problem. And they were, they were soundly defeated and many were killed. Joshua, their leader, falls on his face before the Lord. He tears his clothes. He begins to mourn and weep because he thinks they're going to be annihilated. He says, we can't beat this little city. We're not going to be able to beat anybody. And the Lord says, someone 
has brought a curse upon them because they robbed from me. Go deal with that and see that I will come back to you. You say, but is that true? Does that really happen? In Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, listen to what the Bible says. Will a man rob God? Yet you will rob me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you, God? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even the whole nation is doing it. Now you might be here today and you might be thinking, Pastor, this is Old Testament. New Testament doesn't, doesn't talk like that. We're not under the old covenant. No, you may not be under the old covenant, but God clearly says in the sixth verse of that passage, for I am the Lord and I do not change. I do not change. Do you realize that Jesus, when he was rebuking the Pharisees and the, the religious leaders, he says to them, You are so meticulous in everything you tithe. You tithe of all your increase. You even tithe of your herb garden. That little garden in your home. You tithe off of that. He says, you do good. Don't stop doing that. But it'd be nice if you had a loving, caring heart too. (laughs) That's what he says. Your heart is hard as a rock and you don't love anybody. Keep tithing, but let your heart be softened, amen? That's what he says. So he doesn't say, okay, we're under operating under a new system. Matter of fact, Paul says the new system requires it all. So some go, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll keep the old. A tenth, what is a tenth? So watch this. We're almost done. He says, you have robbed me. When I give you increase, you ignore me. I've asked you to give me a tenth. Bring it to my house. Watch. Bring, verse 10, all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me. Test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. And see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so rich you won't be able to receive it on your own. You're going to need help to receive it. Come on. How many of us need blessing like this? Understand the principle of first fruits. Watch this. This is what God is saying. I give you one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. These are ten twenty dollar bills. That's two hundred dollars. How much is a tithe? How much? 20. Isn't that interesting that the rule of 10 is so easy to work with? Right? You just move decimals over, right? $20. $20. Okay, everyone knows that. But let me ask you this. Which one? Which one was the first? I said one, two, three, four, five. Which one's the first? You say, why is that significant? This changed my life. And I'm going to give credit where credit is due. It's God's word and the teaching of Pastor Robert Morris from Gateway Church. See, I used to give my tithe whenever I remembered. And I'm very absent-minded, so I would be behind. And then I would say, oh, i got to catch up. And I'd write it, and I'd catch up. And I remembered that I, I always felt like 
something wasn't quite right. I wasn't getting ahead. And then God showed me I cannot be second. That means you don't pay, um, you don't pay your mortgage and then AT&T and DirecTV and your groceries at HEB and then your Walmart and then your insurance and all your car payments and then you give me when you remember me. I cannot be second. The moment I receive that, I'm assuming second. You shall have no other gods before me. I am for, and there is a blessing on this. Why would you ever give this to AT&T? No, this is your blessing. No, I'm, I'm being honest with you. This will change your life. It changed mine. And, and you might be here to say, well, pastor, you're just being one of those guys. Do you realize that's why I have such a hard time teaching this? Because I never want to be one of those guys. That's not me. I just know the blessing it's been to me and the blessing it's been to those who have practiced this and have connected with the principle of first fruits. And it will radically change your life. And if, if you're here today and you're thinking to yourself, eh, I don't know then just do what God's word says. Test him. Bring it up with him. See what he does for you. See what he does. I promise it'll change it. You go, well, pastor, I got to know from God's word that that's in fact true. All right, I'll give one more story. Genesis 4, 3 and 5. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the first, or excuse me, brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. So in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Now for years I've heard pastors which I believe have have good understanding of God's word. And, and, and I'm not opposed to this teaching, but I want to share something else besides this because I've said, well, the reason God rejected one and accepted one is because he only accepts blood offerings. But can I show you in God's word as I have that, that God accepts what? The firstborn offering, which is a sacrifice and also the first fruits offering. Jesus is called the sacrifice and the first fruits offering. The first fruits offering comes from your harvest. That's the verse we just read when we said, bring the first of your first fruits. The reason I read that verse is because it applies here. Watch what Abel, I mean what Cain did. Look at it very closely. I'm going to highlight something for you. See if it jumps out. And in the process of time, what does that mean? When he got around to it, it's exactly what I was doing. When I get around to it, when I get around to it, I've got this, I'm, I'm doing my thing, Lord. I'm earning more interest on it. I'm, I'm doing my thing. And when I get around to it, then I'll, I'll pay my other stuff. I got all these different, and then I'll, 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 I'll give you something. 
I know you might be, you, you might be bothered. I know this is hard. When I first heard this, I said, Pastor Robert, where do you get off? I, that, that. But when I really looked at it, I saw it. It jumped out at me. He goes, when the process of time, the other, he brought of his firstborn. He could have brought of his first fruits, first of the first fruits, but he didn't. And so God said this to him. He said, he said, why are you angry, Cain? And why has your countenance fallen? And if you do well, will you not also be accepted? This is what God is saying. Why are you in my presence looking ugly and mad? Let this set you free. Let this set you free. Please. Please. He spoke that to me when I was reading it. He goes, why are you upset with me when my teaching is clear? Put me first and watch what I can do. I'm afraid to tell you how awesome he's been to me without the church increasing my my pay. He has blessed me so much that I would make you jealous. I would. Everything I invest in, boom. My brother calls me up. Hey, you want to invest with me? Sure. How much can I? I just need 10. I've had to scrape it together. Now he calls. How much do you need? I'm not going to tell you. I don't want to strike in you a heart of jealousy. I'm here to tell you, honor the Lord. My pay has not increased. God has increased me. God has increased me. And all I did was understand that he said, he said to me very, very plainly, why are you in my presence? Getting upset with what I have clearly said and you can be right and I can bless you if you're right too. That's what he said right there, watch. If you do well, will you not also be accepted? Can I tell you, if you do well, you will also be accepted. You will also be blessed. And you know the beauty of God? The minute you turn to him, he's, my son's coming home. My daughter's come home. So I want to ask you something very, very, uh, would you give me a communion cup? As we get ready to partake of communion, Someone asked me earlier today, are we still doing the Grateful Heart offering? We are. Right now, we're still in the process of you just praying for what God has for you to give. If it's $5, it's $5. Just pray. We'll dedicate this to the Lord just before Christmas time. But right here, what I want to ask you is this. What is the Holy Spirit sharing with you? Maybe God is saying, if you do well, will you not also be accepted? 
And you might be thinking, but pastor, I don't, I don't have this or I don't have that. Just talk it out with God. He's an amazing God. He's an amazing God. He's an amazing God. You might be here today, you might be saying, Pastor, is that really that important? Is it, is it really like that? Just talk it out with God. But I'm here to tell you, don't let the enemy rob it from you. Don't let him steal it from you. What is the Holy Spirit sharing with you? Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I'm, I need strength to honor the Lord with my first fruits. I know that that's an area I struggle with. Just right there between you and God, say, Lord, strengthen me. two more minutes. I really feel inclined to share this for someone. Now I know theologically this may be completely wrong. That's not the way to start, but I'm going to tell you that God's always been a personal God to me. And he's always met me and he's always said, why are you hangry? I want to accept you. Come on. And I can remember, this is before I was a pastor, I had made some very bad decisions. We were in debt and we needed to move in with my in-laws. While we were in with my in-laws, we were trying to pay off some bills, trying to pay off some debt. And I heard a message on tithing and I was, kind of had a bad attitude about it. But God kept always selling, stepped towards me. I said, Lord, I'll do it. But I just don't have. I can't afford to tithe. I know what everybody says. You can't afford not to. Yes, I couldn't afford not to, but I really couldn't afford it. So I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, I know what 10% is. I'm a finance major. I know what 10% is, but I only have two. If you would take it, I'll give it to you first, knowing that as you increase, I'll be faithful. Within Two weeks, I was able to go to three. We were able to go to three. Two months from that, we were able to go to six. Come on, how many of you know God was saying, come on, come on, I want you over here with me. By the time he called me to ministry at age 28, when we started this church, we were completely debt-free. Completely debt-free. We've always made it on on a very humble salary, which I'm grateful for. But I never got more increase. And I kept saying, Lord, I'm worried about my retirement. I'm worried about these things. I'm worried about that. And then he taught me, you give me 10, but you don't put me first. And you do it as an afterthought. I want your worship, son. I want your heart but I do all this for you. Those those were my thoughts. He said, 
Why are you angry and looking downcast? Don't you know if you step forward? Because I read Pastor Robert's book and I was like, yeah, it's easy to have that attitude when you have a a New York Times bestseller. And God said, why are you angry in my presence? I'll accept you too. So we stepped forward and we said, you know what? First, Lord, before we do anything, out of our check comes our tithe. And we went 11, 12, 13. We went above and beyond, not to impress you, but to impress upon you. Okay, God, I'm going for it. And then God says, you should invest in this little company. Bam. You should do this over here. Before, I'd invest in something and go straight down. I could tell you not to invest in certain things. Now, some of you are going to ask, well, what should I do? That's between you and God. Don't come ask me for investment advice. You're putting your trust in me. Trust in the Lord. Today, I'm asking you, what is God asking you? What is the Holy Spirit talking to you about? In Jesus' name, we love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Father, be with our families. Bless them like only you can. Draw them near to you and show them how good you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Foundation, I love you. Have a great, great week.